I'm your host, Jay White, and you're listening to We Must Go Forward, where we believe you're either a monument or a movement. We have lived to see the turn of a century. We've experienced the World Trade Center bombings. We've experienced the first black president who was elected not just for one, but two terms. We've experienced Colin Kaepernick take a knee to bring awareness to the injustice that's happening in the black communities. And we are currently experiencing a global pandemic that has claimed hundreds of thousands of lives and still counting, while simultaneously witnessing the public murders of unarmed black men and black women by the police and other white hate groups in the death of George Floyd, Tamir Rice, Eric Garner, Sandra Bland, Mike Brown, Trayvon Martin, and most recently Rayshard Brooks and Amal Aubrey. And then there are still killers at large for the death of Breonna Taylor. I wanted to to say their names, but I also want to bring light to Genesis chapter 15, verse 13, uh, which is the Bible verse that says, Then the Lord said to him, talking to Abraham, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. So if 1619 and 2019 represented 400 years of captivity, and that prophecy has been fulfilled, my question is, where do we go from here? Verse 14 says, But I will punish the nation that they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. Mr. Stevie Wonder. This past Friday, many of us celebrated Juneteenth. I did. And yet so many others didn't and haven't. As a matter of fact, there are three states that still do not recognize it. North Dakota, South Dakota, and Hawaii. How did it feel to celebrate freedom that we're still fighting for? It felt and feels too familiar. I've been following everything that's being said. But what I have not heard is a unanimous commitment to atone for the sins of this country. I've heard the person in the highest place of this nation say there are fine people on both sides. That sounds noncommittal to me. I have a great relationship with the blacks. Peaceful protesters called thugs. Immigrants called rapists. And from the very place that civilization began, Africa, I've heard this commander-in-chief call it an S-H-I-T hole. Wow. Herein lies the We Must Go Forward topic of the day. Do we as black people here, here in America stay and hope things get better? Do we make a strong statement by getting our guns and shooting it out? with our oppressors and those who believe that they are more supreme than us? Or do we get set to pack our bags and head back to Africa? Here to provide insight is poet, activist, author, and screenwriter, John Good, Tony Award winner, poet, Atlanta native, and community activist, Tamika Harper, uh, creator of the Tamika Harper Day, uh, also known as Georgia Me. And then we have filmmaker, producer, author, and co-founder of Nina Holiday Entertainment, Cass Seegers Beatles. Help me welcome. (laughs) 
John, let's start with you. What do you think? Do we only have three options? I'm going to give you a fourth option, actually, because I don't, I don't, I don't, I know when people say we should uh, go back to Africa, I know you're a person who's been to the continent a few times. I've never been to Africa, so for me, it would be going to Africa. I know we're descended, descendants of Africans, you know what I mean? But I've never been to Africa, and I feel much like James Baldwin has said, like, our blood's in the soil. We built this thing. We should absolutely, you know, reap the harvest of the thing we built. Two, I think to shoot it out would be, that would be tough if you just look at the pure numbers of things. That's a complicated, um, that, that would be complicated, especially if you consider the fact that the United States military is on their side. So where, where I think, you know, people got, some, people got some pretty decent guns and artillery in their personal stash, uh, but when you come up against, you know, a tank, it's tough. It's tough. It's going to be a tough fight to win that. But <laughs> right. To shoot it out would be tough. Right. And then to stay and hope, uh, you know, hope springs eternal, but just hoping ain't going to get you there. God, God, God bless hoping. You can hope. You can, you can hope all day, but it ain't, hope ain't going to get it. So I think that if you ask me, the, the roots of black liberation in this country is, is economic. I think that People have had the right idea several times. They just haven't been able to, um, to really see it come to fruition unmolested. Uh, you know, Rosewood had the right idea. Tulsa had the right idea. John Africa and Move in Philadelphia had a solid idea. But they, their ideas, of course, were thwarted by white supremacy, by white, by racism, by you know, murderous uh, hordes of white folks that came in and destroyed their dream. The era we live in now with the visibility that we enjoy with, you know, everybody got a camera in their hand in their pocket. The, 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 where George Floyd, George Floyd had been killed 50 years ago, you'd have never heard of it. It had never made the news. But now because of social media, things are a bit more visible. So I think that with that high visibility, this could be a good time to really re-examine the ideas of economic independence. That's where the roots lay to me. It's something that you've explored, um, you know, yourself. I think that even when you look at Auburn Avenue, places like this, there was a time when we flourished. I think it went wrong. Things went wrong in integration because integration is a one-way road. And integration says, black people, you can shop and buy from white people, and white people, you can buy and shop with black people, but black people, we, we shop with them, they didn't shop with us. So all of our money left our communities, and then we found ourselves in dire straits. So what we have to do, in my estimation, is we have to get back to uh, establishing ourselves as an economic, or let me just say harnessing our economic base. Because we got the money, as shown by every statistic in the world. Our spending power is immense. I mean, we buy Jordans and we ain't got no money to pay the rent, we'll buy a pair of Jordans. So I think that we have to harness the economics of it to, to really gain our independence. The only thing these people respect is money. That's all they respect. They don't. You can, you can march and shout and they can paint Black, Black Lives Matter down the middle of the street and these are all beautiful gestures and these are all wonderful expressions and these things raise attention. But the only thing they really expect uh, respect is finances. So when you start saying, I'm going to hit you in your pocket, that's when they sit up and say, oh, well, well, no, for real, let's talk. Can't have you hitting our bottom line. Let's really, let's talk about it. That's why, all the, to me, these corporations have come in and said like, hey, man, we support Black Lives Matter, and you know we'll give you a check for I don't know thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, because they know you're gonna get two million dollars back in return for that gesture. So 
I think black people have to harness the economic power where we find ourselves in this position now where neighborhoods and areas are being gentrified, where we're being moved out. I think what black people should do is find an area um, where they can not rent, not lease, but buy, and then set up shop there. Set up your restaurants, set up your nightclubs, you know, set up your salons, set up your schools, find an area and set it up. And the thing is that people are gonna to come to you because black people are the, the, the soul of this country. If you want to eat good food, hear good music, you want to laugh loud, you want to hear good singing, you want to hear amazing thinkers, you want to play a, you know, incredible chess, whatever you want to do, black people are doing it. So, you know, they gonna, people going to come to you. Wherever you set up, they're going to come to where you are to get that ooh-wee, you know what I mean? We got that ooh-wee. Georgia Me, what do you say? I don't feel like we should have to leave. You Nobody ain't telling the Italians to go back to Italy or the Scottish to go back to Scotland. You feel what I'm saying? And they came after us. So I just think that I'm, a, I'm an American. I don't, and I don't shy away from that. When you go outside this country, especially when you go to Europe, you realize how American you are. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, with Africa, they like, come home. Oh, welcome home. You know what I'm saying? But when you go to Europe, they're like, oh, black American. Outcast, Martin Luther King, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're American. Yeah. So, and the strides we've made and, and, and things we've done for this country, I mean, I don't think that we should leave. Cass, what do you think? Unfortunately, that answer is all three because packing our bags and leaving, there is a certain social economic group of people that honestly, if we as a community don't, come all together and be able to help others, there are people who can't pack their bags and leave. It sounds like a very, you and I, you, you know, we could pack our bags and leave. You know, we've talked about packing our bags and leave, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of our brothers and sisters that they are struggling to a place in a point where they can't, they, they can't pack their bags and do anything. You know what I mean? They're, they're losing their homes. They're, it's, it's so beyond where we are with the systemic racism. It's, it's economic racism. It's so many levels to um, us as a community being held back that that sounds like a simple answer. Um, and I can't say if, it's, if, if the majority are those who can pack their bags and leave, we basically have to say bye to everybody who's staying. You understand what I'm saying? Because those who can pack their bags and leave will be the ones that can actually make the change and make the difference. Because we're the ones that can pool our resources. We're the ones that can put together, to be able to build our own schools, to do these things that we're actually packing our bags and doing elsewhere. So we have to come together and say, okay, if this is what we're gonna do as a group of people, there is going to be a catastrophic loss unless those who can pack their bags and leave pay and bring the other ones along. And now you're talking about us coming together mentally in a way that I, I've never seen us do. So I, I don't know if that is a viable option, if mm -hmm. you understand what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. um, do we stay and shoot it out? Um, I definitely say we stay and we shoot it out um, physically and metaphorically. So, and spiritually. I don't necessarily mean shoot it out like bang, bang, we're shooting them, we're fighting them, we're killing them, unless it comes to that. I do believe if 
there is a war and they come to the front line with their guns, we cannot be like, oh, and turn our other cheek. It's definitely not the turn the other cheek days. Um, so in that case, yes, there is a war. However, what is interesting to me for those who aren't on the, on the front lines protesting, those who aren't out there marching, you know, there is a bit of shame from those who are. And I think as a group of people, we are so multifaceted. Everybody's best usage isn't on the front line. It's like when there's a war, we send troops to war, everybody's not on the front line. Somebody's in the back planning, somebody's doing strategy, somebody's building the tools, building the artillery. There's so many uh, jobs to play in a war that everybody has to play their own jobs and we can't shame those who play their position. James Baldwin wrote in The Fire Next Time uh, an excerpt that he took from Richard Allen, who was the founder of the African Methodist Episcopal Church. And the quote he said was, the very time I thought I was lost, my dungeon shook and my chains fell off. When I think about our chains falling off, I think about freedom. And talk to me about freedom. Like, what does freedom look like? And, and in, in lieu of that freedom, do we need white people to give us freedom? Like, how, what does freedom look like? I think this the interesting idea, of, I guess, of how you define freedom. So for me, let's just say freedom is uh, the ability to move as you want, make the choices you want raise your children without fear, educate your children in the way that you would like to. I think that if you find yourself with your own land, your own areas where you control everything, where you have built the schools, where you choose the curriculum, where you choose what goes in this business, you choose what shop opens. If you can choose these things, you can choose, if you own the area, you choose who the police are. You can self-police, you can have your own private police force. You can make it where in this country, as far as I know, yeah, you're pretty free. You're pretty free. But is that really doable? Is that is that like attainable? It is doable. It's not only doable, it's been done. It's not only is it doable, it's been done. It's not even a, it's not something, I'm not giving you pie in the sky. I'm not telling you to go find some some unknown giant in the mountains. It's a thing that we have we've absolutely done before. Circumstances have come against us and pulled, you know, this thing that we built has pulled it to the ground. I think that we're in a position now where we could build it, we could sustain it, and we could defend it, and we could keep it. You said a, a key word, defend it. Tell me a little more about that. Well, I think it's like, it's like take, take, um, so take Japan, right? Are you familiar with Japan's military? No. You know why? Because they don't have a military. They don't have a military. All they have is a defense force. They don't have any go out and conquer military, not since World War II. What, def what Japan has is a defense force. And because they don't spend a lot of money on military spending, it's why, they make, it's why their economy is booming like it booms, because they don't have to spend all their money in tanks and stuff. So when it comes to defending it, I think you have to come from a position of this is ours. We're going to you know, get our own police force, set up our own defenses however we see fit, because if you own the area, if you own it, you can, you can have this say. And you defend, you know, your air, you, you defend it. And in this area, this land, this time of, there's a camera everywhere that you can put everything to social media, whatever, um, you know, everything is live streamed. So anything goes sideways, everything is recorded, everything is documented, it is all put out in real time. So I think you can have that evidence and then you just have to, you just have to 
stand on your square and be like, yeah, we, we just like everyone else does, we got this. This us. We we got it. And you have you have to defend it. Let you have to defend it physically, legislatively, you have to defend it in every way possible. You gotta go, you gotta get it on the books like this is whatever um Jay White, this is this is this is unincorporated Jay White County or incorporated Jay White County. It is legislatively recognized as Jay White, this is his county. Jay White has set up his sheriff and his, um, you know, his constables, his aldermen, his whatever. You know, you, you, you set it, you, 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 within the structures that you can set up, you set these things up so that you can legally defend it and then you have to physically defend it. I, I, I don't really look to white people to do anything. I feel like the Civil War will be between them, the good white folk and the embarrassments to white folk. I feel like that's going to be the Civil War. We ain't going to have nothing to do with it. We just going to watch it. Because they tired of this narrative that they are this evil people that have allowed all these atrocities. But the majority of your power makers and power players are. So they got to do something. It's just what it is. It's not, I appreciate them. I, I ain't going to front like I ain't leery. Because, I mean, I tell all my white friends, y'all know what it is. I, I am prejudiced. I'm not racist. I'm very prejudiced, but it's based on fact, not fear. And I never infringe upon anyone's civil or human rights, ever. Mm -hmm. I treat everybody how I want to be treated. But that don't mean I need to be like you, want to be like you, sit next to you, eat with you, sleep with you, none of that. And I'm sick of that dynamic being pushed. We just want not even equality. I, I, I don't want to be equal. What is that? Who are you? Equal to what? Right. I want decency. I want humanity. That's it. Yeah, but the young people, I mean, they, their concept of humanity, they, they like forget, forget what y'all talking about. Like, our birthright is humanity. What do you think? So there are a lot of young people out there galvanizing and they are protesting and they're being angry and they're, you know, and they're charging forth. And a lot of us as adults, you know, we're kind of looking at them like, ah, oh, I don't know, I don't, I don't. That is a position to play. And that is a very valid position to play. And as a 50-year-old woman, is that my position? Yeah, everybody has a part to play, but the young people are definitely leading the way. Um, and the difference between them and now is, you know, there are, it's not one leader, per se. See, that's um, another thing. It's like there is no face. Yeah no face it's an organization it's a corporate organization leading but is that a gift is that a gift though because they when they killed the leaders when you knew who the leaders were they they assassinated them I, yeah i don't know so maybe it is like i, I don't know i don't know if it is a gift because you are correct when we have our leaders and there was of course we've got you know our malcolm our martin you know everybody knows those leaders and i think both of them were needed because you're always going to have radicals you're always going to have the non-radicals and so you got the voice for both groups of people, and at least both groups of people were moving in a direction, mm -hmm. um, in their own way that they were moving. So none was right over the other. Um, but I, I don't know if it's a curse, because you're right. When we do have any sort of leader, they become a martyr. Um, this, this time, our martyr, ironically, was somebody they chose. Uh, which Dave Chappelle says, you know, we didn't choose George Floyd, that y'all chose him. Y'all mm -hmm. chose him, people were fed up, and now we've galvanized. So our leader became a martyr before he ever even got, you know, this one was kind of reversed. This, this period of time, this pandemic, 
has been an interesting time of focusing for us. Because if you look at the 1960s, all you really had was your job, your, your home life, and your oppression. And you were damn near, you probably oppressed on your job. So oppression was a little bit everywhere. And when you came home, you had Marvin Gaye and Curtis Mayfield and these people singing these kind of, you know, protest songs, songs to speak to your oppression and lift you up. I mean, you had all kinds of other music, just dance music too, but you had artists speaking into the circumstance. So there was a lot of wrestling with your oppression that, you know, causes people to rise up and, and rebel and refute and fight. As time moves forward, people are distracted by their phones, distracted by video games, distracted, you know, by twerking in the street. Their minds are taken away from their oppression. In this time when everyone is forced to sit at home, once you listen to watch all of Netflix, you don't listen to all of Spotify, now you had this moment of, of just clarity. And so when the George Floyd you know, tragedy took place, when he was murdered, all the excuses that people have were stripped away. Like people were like, oh, I would protest, but I gotta go to work. Or I would do this, but I don't have time. All of a sudden, all that stripped away. And you saw record numbers of people in the street fighting and, and protesting and you know, you know, having their uprise and doing everything because the distractions were kind of taken away and you got to focus in on the oppression. So this has been a, a, an interesting time of watching what a focused look at oppression in 2020, like what, what, what that can turn into. There's no way for me to talk about going, going forward uh, as a community without talking about uh, our offspring, our young people. Um, each of you have children, uh, young black males that you are guardians over what do you tell them like how do you what do you what do you tell them in this during these times even as they break forth as leaders what do you what do you say to these young people every day when he goes out anytime he goes out i just pray and I, I, we live in my neighborhood he usually be in the neighborhood so when i hear gunshots i call him wisdom and he like mom i'm okay he know what it is you know what i'm saying we don't even he don't play that game of not picking up the phone. He know what it is. And I just, you know, arm him with, you know, patience and, and divinity. Because I, 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 he has an understanding that it ain't worth it. My son will fight. Please believe that. But he will get the hell on. Not too long ago, it was a group of white men in Washington Park. Now, this is white men. Mm -hmm. We got some white neighbors, but we know them. I make sure I know all my white neighbors. You just can't be around here, and I don't know you. Right. So we don't know you. And they yelled at him. Wisdom didn't even stop. He, he just took off. You know what I'm saying? And he told me about it, and he was like, Mom, I don't know what they was trying to do. And I was like, I'm just glad that you had the sense not to be full of pride and ego to answer them. You know what I'm saying? So... And, and, you know, my, 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 my thoughts as a black mother was, you know, I'm scared for the, the brothers on the street that don't know the divinity that want to take my son's life. Then I have the police that don't know right from wrong that want to take my son's life. And then we have these random, bitter uh, Caucasians that just want to take life. So I, I just have to stay prayed up as a black mother. And that's been it since he was 12. Since he was 12. Because even then, they're not seen as children. They're not seen as little boys. They're seen as a threat. So I just try to empower him and his friends with knowledge, um, self-esteem, so they make the proper choices. 
And I mean, pretty soon we're going to be in that gun range to really know how to shoot and protect ourselves, not from our family and friends, but from people who are foes. And that could be any color. You know what I'm saying? So, because I don't believe in murder, but I believe in killing. If it's between me and you or me and mine, you got to go. That ain't no hell we talking about. Um, we don't live in fear. You know, we definitely, Kingston's dad, Anthony, um, has definitely had conversations with him as, you know, a brown man to another black man, black man to a black man, right? This is what you do. This is how you conduct yourself. You know, Kingston definitely knows not to run. He definitely knows if he, you know, if we, we have arms, you know, we have guns and stuff like that. If there's one in the car, you don't reach for one. Um, you know, I wouldn't have him ask questions back. He's a 15 year old, you know? So I'll ask each of you one final question. Uh, starting with you, Georgia. Georgia, are we finally putting away religion and becoming more spiritual? John, has the church helped us or has the church hurt us? And Cass, how, as a filmmaker, uh, can you use your platform to move us forward? And other filmmakers use the platform to move us forward by telling our stories. Georgia. You know what I mean? Like we lords, we are God, we already gods, but then we lords. We understand what it is and we be able to look over everything that's going on, give righteous input, righteous action, and have what is righteously ours. You feel what I'm saying? Just like when people be like, only 144,000 gonna make it home. Bitch, you don't know God, so you don't know if that's every minute, every week, every month, every year, or, or, or in totality. You right. don't know. So. Right. You know, I just, I always look for the positive that's going to come out really for the betterment of everybody. I don't want nobody murdered. I don't want nobody killed. But if you wrong, God got a wrath and so do I. I say, I say, I say. John? I think that the church is not, a, it's not, a, it's not monolithic. Like, it's not one entity. I think you have a lot of churches that are absolutely in this thing for self. And I think you have some churches that are, that, that are still, you know, answering the call to do good. I, I you know, I, I live on Old National Highway. I live less less than two miles from Creflo's church. You know, and I watched Creflo ask this congregation to buy him a new jet. And then every Sunday you watch that bus stop packed with people who got to catch the bus to go home. And so you you see, I'm like, well, this these, these poor people are being fleeced. Then you see other churches where they have like a new life down off of, um, uh, old national, I'm not old national, off of Candler Road, which I think it's a uh, flat shows at that point. Like they have tremendous outreach with their their kitchen. They have a kitchen where they provide food. They um, they rent rooms for homeless folks. Same thing with Victory Church in Stone Mountain. They have a clothing drive. They give away tons of clothes, tons of food, and they open their books where you can see what's going on. So I think that there are churches that are doing the right thing. I think that the churches that make the, the loudest in the, you know, with the, with the biggest congregations that make the loudest noise, that garner all the attention, some of those are definitely questionable in their intent, in their support of, um, of Black people in their time of strife, when they certainly have the resources to do it. So I, 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 I can't lump the church in as one thing. I think that there are people doing the right thing. The church is like, like people. There are people doing the right thing and people doing the wrong thing. And you have to be able to discern and know the difference. No doubt. No doubt. Cass, you're up. Um, I, you know, started a company in 2005 uh, with Terry J. Vaughn. 
And we started our company because we were trying to be silenced. We started our company because our project was told from one of my books, my first books, that the voice didn't sound urban. So they wanted to make the character white. And out of that frustration, we started our company to make content for brown women. So it was kind of like that was going to be our mission. And that has been our mission. So part of my moving forward is constantly representing a, in the media, in this box that our kids are constantly influenced by images that are healthy, that I want them to see. Images that I think the next generation needs to see. Diverse, women, smart, beautiful, um, things that mentally program the next generation so that their minds aren't thinking we are a certain way that the media always shows us, that the news always shows us. That's my way of combating the other source instead of trying to necessarily shut down the other source and fight the media and say, let's not do this, let's not do this. I don't make slave movies. I don't make those movies because I don't feel like those are the images we need to see. Am I constantly knocking on Universal's door, um, other doors saying, stop making those movies, stop making those movies? No, I sit on panels, I speak about it, I speak why we shouldn't do it. But instead of complaining, be the solution, give them an option. And I just, I have the voice to be able to give the option. Um, and I think everybody has a way in their own way, in their own world to give an option. Meaning we don't like the school books and we don't like the history that's being told. There are historians out there that can write books, that can write literature, that can pass out information, that can start our own schools. Especially now is a perfect time. Kids ain't even in school. They're going remote. We're not even in a building anymore. Okay, you have any closing remarks? Anything you want people to know about you? Hey, John Good, writer of all things, man. Written, you know, poetry, TV commercials, uh, books, writing a TV show, written ransom notes, whatever you need, I'll write it, I'll make it beautiful. You can find me on Instagram, at J-O-N underscore G-O-O-D-E. I'm there every day, all day. Um, I try to tell the truth, and I try to uplift people as much as I humanly possibly can. Um, watch Georgia Me Perspective on Gang TV. Uh, follow me at The Real Georgia Me on IG. Uh, the Georgia Me the Poet is my website. I got always some for sale shirts, masks. Uh, I do counseling. Uh, uh, I do coaching. I do I do everything. You know what I'm saying? So I just thank God that He allowed me to be a vessel. And I'm gonna fight for us for to my dying breath. And that's another thing. I need black people not to be scared to die because the living bullshit ain't living. Thank you for having me. Yes, ma'am. And we must go forward, because we, we must, must go forward. Yeah, we must go and forward. And I, I thank you for taking the charge to get the people to go forward. You, you are always an advocate. Again, you inspire me and so many others, so thank you. Man, thanks for having me, Jay. I'm a huge fan, as you know. Huge fan, brother, of everything you're doing. The bow ties, the tap dancing, you know, 640 West, all of it, brother. All right. So when you call, of course I'm gonna pick up. Of course I'm gonna pick up. You ain't never not answered my call. How, how dare I not answer yours? Of course I'm gonna pick up. It's my honor. Anything you want, Jay, you know you can get. In her book, Black Looks, Race and Representation, Bell Hooks, uh, she recants uh, the story uh, told by John Waters in his film, Hairspray. And what she notes is, Hairspray is nearly unique in its attempt to construct a fictive universe where white working class undesirables are in solidarity with black people. When Tracy says she wants to be black, blackness becomes a metaphor for freedom and end to boundaries. 
When I say we must go forward, I think of a time when black people have the ability to, to well, we exercise our ability to be at our highest, to exercise our God or our divine presence, not just in spirit, but on this earth, where we truly understand our value, not predicated on what other people call our value or what other people have defined us to be, but what we define ourselves to be. Can we really break outside of the norm? Can we really break away from the status quo? And are we courageous enough to stand on our own two feet? With the help of the divine, I believe all of this is more than powerful and more than possible. I believe that it is our time. There is no greater time for us to be living or to be alive in the history of civilization. I believe that the great Ma'afa was the worst time for black people in the history of civilization. But now we have the opportunity to go forward like we've never done before. Will we seize this opportunity to go forward? I believe we don't have an, have an option. I believe going forward is our only option. It's just a matter of how rapid we will go and what will we conquer, not by way of people, but by way of spirit. What have we been called to do and to be and how can we be at our highest? My name is Jay White, also known as Jay the Dreamer. I thank you for tuning in to this, to this, this project. I thank you and I hope that something that was said has definitely influenced you, impacted you, and made you want to go out and be better as you do your part to move us forward. Ashe, Ashe, Asheo.